When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, gorgeous. How are you ladies doing this morning? I hope you're all doing wonderful. I wanted to give you a very quick update on the show. I thank you so much for all of you who have been supporting my show and listening and leaving me messages and reviews and sending me emails and all the things. I am so grateful for each and every one of you. I'm especially grateful for all of you who have decided to donate to my podcast. For those of you who have sewn into this ministry, I am so grateful for you and I cannot thank you enough. I never asked for any monetary donations of any sort, but there are some of you who have literally been supporting this podcast and you've been donating so much money every single month. But I am starting something a little bit different. So at this time, I am going to pause those donations. So those of you who donate every single month, may the Lord bless you and shower you with blessings for doing that. But I am turning that service off for now because of the fact that I'm offering a subscription service for those of you who want to get exclusive content ad free so no interruptions with ads and who want to continue following the episodes of fascinating womanhood i am now moving all of those episodes onto the subscription service the subscription service is 2.99 a month so literally three dollars which can't even buy you a cup of coffee less than a cup of coffee per month you will be able to access those episodes and all you have to do is go to the link in the info box and listen on Spotify. I will continue after Fascinating Womanhood is done to produce content specifically for my subscribers. I will also have obviously the content that's here on the podcast for everyone, but they will be getting things that maybe I don't want fully public, but only for the people who really actually want that information, need that information, want to elevate their lives in a certain kind of way. For those people who want to really invest in their growth, in their marriage, in their femininity, that will be available to you. I'll also be doing Q&As there and just exclusive content, you know, maybe things that just come to mind or topics that are a little bit more sensitive or a little bit more sexy, I will have on the subscription service. So I will have one last episode of Fascinating Womanhood open to everyone. And then moving from there, the episodes will only be for those of you who have a subscription of $2.99 a month. So just wanted to give you that update. Thank you again for all of you who give me way, 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 way more than $2.99 a month. Thank you so much. God bless you. And with that, we will get into today's episode where we're talking about being content as a feminine woman, as a godly woman with the things that you have in your life. This episode is actually being pulled from my YouTube channel, Mornings with Michelle, where I talk about godly content. So that audio is actually being pulled from there. Okay, let's get into it. (music) 
Disciplines of a Godly Woman. And this book is written by Barbara Hughes. It's a book to teach you how to be a woman of God, a godly woman, a woman who walks in her God-given authority, a woman who loves Jesus Christ and wants to live a life that honors and glorifies him. And today we're talking about the discipline of contentment, of godly contentment. So get something to drink. I have water and something to write with because this is going to be a lot of information. I hope we get through it today. Hopefully we can get through it in one sitting, shall we? When you hear the word contentment, what comes to mind? For me, I think of just be grateful with what you have. And it's a word that allows me to sort of exhale and remember that everything actually means nothing. If you don't have the one thing that means everything. I know that was like, <laughs> what? But we're gonna talk about what that means. The meaning behind it is what we're gonna unravel in this chapter. So let's go ahead and read from our book. She starts off this chapter by talking about a young woman who was in Christ. She had a great relationship with God growing up, great parents, great upbringing, living a really nice, simple life. And then as she grew older, she went to college, and she got married and they moved into the city. And once she got into the city, there was like this new wave of life. People had a lot of different things. Things were moving faster. People were full of like lots of different religious backgrounds and personal convictions and things that just made her feel like maybe I'm missing out on some things. She started to desire the things of the world and really started losing herself, getting depressed and feeling like she was empty because she was seeking the things that she never thought that she needed, but now all of a sudden she wanted those things. So in moving from that story, we talk about the word contentment. I asked you, what does that word mean to you? Well, the definition of the word contentment in the dictionary is defined as desiring no more than one has, being satisfied. Being content is being satisfied. And I want you to ask yourself right now, are you satisfied with the life that you're living? Are you satisfied with the things that you own? Are you satisfied with the way that you behave? Are you one of those people who's always looking to just be better and greater and have more and have the best and be the best? Or are you at a place in your life where you're satisfied? Do you think you will ever get to a place where you're satisfied? Christian contentment is that sweet, inward, quiet, gracious frame of spirit, which freely submits to and delights in God's wise and fatherly disposal in every condition. In the Bible, Paul valued this Christian virtue so highly that he wrote Timothy, godliness with contentment is great gain. So how do you gain this Christian contentment? How do you gain this ability to just be satisfied with what you have, with how you're living, with the circumstances that you're in? Well, Timothy says, the first thing that you have to learn is to be independent of circumstances and conditions. And that word independent is to be separated, to separate yourself from situations and conditions. There's a really popular song, and I think it was made by Elevation Worship. I could be wrong, but there's a song, and it's called Gyra, You Are Enough. 
and it's a really popular song and it's a beautiful song and the reason why it's so beautiful is because in the song the lyrics say Jaira which is God the provider you are enough and I will be content in every circumstance Jaira you are enough I'll link the song below there's the original version and then there's like an Afrobeats version which I love and it's a beautiful song because it's you having that heart posture where you're saying that no matter what's going on in my life father you are my provider and you are enough you me having you is what makes me and my circumstance and my life enough when you think about your life do you feel like you have everything that you actually need there are some people who really don't have their basic needs and that is a tragedy and it's something that we have to continue to pray for and sow into financially and help with politics and things of that nature because some people really are struggling for their basic needs. But for the majority of us, especially in America, and if you're watching this, I'm pretty sure you're not in that situation, you really do have what you need. You have your basic needs, your food, your clothes, you have one or two pairs of shoes you have something that you're watching this with or you're able to access a device to watch this video on like you have what you need so if you have what you need then why is what you need not enough in the book she says that we come by this naturally let's start with the beginning because everything that happens with you is from another place like it there's a root somewhere else and we have to understand how these things are not new and how it's not just you so that you can help yourself get out of these thought patterns let's start with eve the very first woman that god created when adam was in the garden with eve eve had everything think about it she was in this beautiful garden she had the perfect husband and she had the most astonishing and direct fellowship with God she literally had God all to herself right at her disposal and she walked and talked with God until the time that Satan appeared and spoke to her she had always listened to and obeyed the voice of God but then she listened to that contrary voice the one that proposed the notion that God did not have her best interest at heart the voice told her plainly that God was depriving her of something desirable. Did God really say? Something altogether unfamiliar began to stir up in Eve's heart. Discontentment. She desired something that she did not possess. Something her loving creator God had chosen not to give her. It was only after she had listened to Satan's suggestion that she saw the fruit in a new light as good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom and this happens to all of us like how many times have you been completely fine you're having a great day maybe you just went shopping you bought some things and you go on social media and someone has a new this a new that or someone has a better hairstyle than you have, or maybe you just got your nails done and you're feeling great, and then you see someone who just bought a Louis Vuitton bag, and you're like, oh, I could barely get my nails done. Look at her, she has this. I wish I could afford that. I want that bag too. And you just all of a sudden lose the contentment that you had with your life, or maybe even a happy moment, you lose that. 
people do this all the time and social media is like the number one place obviously that you come against this temptation to be discontent before it was more like with commercials because that's what media plays off of just trying to like show you that you're going to be better with this you're gonna be better with that but now it's like you seeing another person who looks just like you who lives down the street from you who went to your college who you know you know this person why is it that they have this thing and you don't see if it's a celebrity if you see beyonce with something or you see kim kardashian with something you're like wow they're a celebrity but when it's your friend from high school that you know that you are smarter than you feel like you have more money than her you feel like you're prettier than her why is she living the life that you wish you could live it hurts a little bit more or a little bit different and so i want you to think about this how often does this happen to you where you're having a perfectly normal day and you go online and you see a youtube video with someone's brand new home doing a home tour and something and you just sinks and yeah maybe you're not jealous but you're discontent with what you have your home is fine your home is lovely but now you feel like your home could be better <laughs> now you feel like you need her drapes and you need her lamp and you need a new painting and you need a new rug because of the fact that someone else has it funny enough just yesterday just yesterday i was on social media and i was on a models page she made a post where i guess she showed off some designer bag some ysl bag and in the post, she was like, I'm so elated that all of you ladies are treating yourself after my post to these YSL bags. And on her story were like all of these women who went out and purchased the bag that she got or purchased something from YSL because she posted it and she said, treat yourself. And I was just like, okay, this is actually sad because there's that desire in all of us when we see someone with something new, even if we don't want it, we're just like, oh, it must be nice. You know, I wish I could go get a new bag, right? And pile it on top of all your other bags that you don't use. But when you actually are so discontent that you go and you buy something like that, it's not a lollipop. It's a, how much does this bag cost? A upwards of $3,000 for a handbag that is serious and there were so many women that did it that i thought this is really sad people are so impulsive sometimes when they see something that they want to just go out and get it and they get themselves in debt in trouble they put themselves in compromising situations like dating men that they have no business dating so they can get this bag and this woman probably got the bag for free that's that's the worst part about it is that a lot of us are competing or trying to keep up with people that are getting things for free and now you're in debt and they didn't even pay for it so it's something that happens to all of us so it's not unique it's something that happens to each and every one of us we just have to monitor and stop ourselves as you're adding that item to your amazon cart say you know what i don't need this save for later and then you'll see your save for later is like a mile long because there's always going to be something that you see that you want and you have to learn how to say it's okay i have enough bandanas i have enough perfume i have enough necklaces like i have enough books i'm okay advertisers capitalize on the fact that the human heart is inclined to discontentment 
They're only too happy to inform us of how to meet our inner longings. We are bombarded with visual images and alluring voices telling us that an exotic brand new hair color will make us irresistible to the opposite sex. We repeatedly hear and finally believe that a corporate job in an office on a floor above a glass ceiling will assure us of success in everyone's eyes. Everywhere we turn, we are told that we need something to make us happy, something we don't already have. And that's the whole idea with Eve in the garden. She already had everything she needed to make her happy, but the devil came to tell her that there was something else that she needed that would actually make her happy when she already was happy. <laughs> she was already happy. That's the worst part. You're already happy. Like you went to school, you got your bachelor's degree. You're good with that. You're literally so happy to be the first person to graduate from college in your family. You have a good job, but you see someone else who has their doctorate degree. And just because they have it and you don't have it, you think, oh, I suck. I'm so stupid. I could only get a bachelor's degree. I could only do this. I need this. You don't need it. You don't need it unless you need it. <laughs> and we have to be content with what we have. There was an actor who just did an interview and he was talking about how he is so successful he's like one of the top 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 actors and he was always just trying to get successful like he was always climbing 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 to the top and he said he finally got to the top and he realized there's nothing there there's nothing at the top like what he thought that there was going to be something that he was striving towards that he was missing out on that he just had to reach this pinnacle in his life to make it. And when he made it, he realized that there was nothing there. It was just a bunch of the same old things, more and more and more and more and more of it. There was nothing at the top that's going to make you happy. That's the truth. And as someone who has made $700 a month, $7,000 a month, much more than $7,000 a month, I can tell you, because it's easier when someone has had something and talks about it than someone who hasn't had it and talks about it. Because then you're like, well, girl, you ain't never had it. How you gonna tell me? You, you ain't never even had that. Well, I'm telling you, as someone who's had um, 25 cents in her bank account, okay, and someone who's had thousands upon thousands upon thousands and more in her bank account, that it did not make a difference it did not make a difference in how happy i was yes i could buy more blushes and more mascara and more shoes and whatever else i want but it's just another package another delivery at my door as soon as i get that delivery i'm thinking about the next thing i want if i'm getting my nails done i'm literally getting my nails painted a beautiful color and i'm looking like oh i like that color next time i'm gonna get this color and i'm thinking about next time i'm gonna get that color instead of enjoying the fact that i'm getting my nails painted this beautiful color right now this state of contentment is something we have to learn because we're always going to be chasing the next thing that's how you end up with a house full of clutter that's how you end up being always overdrafted. That's how you end up with your mind always being distracted with what you want to buy, where you want to go, what you want to do, instead of enjoying what you have right now. So in terms of consumerism, in terms of you putting a limit on the things that you do with your money, with your time, you can start unsubscribing from those marketing emails. 
because as she was talking about advertisers, like they capitalize on that. That is something that can help you to just stop the distraction, stop the constant bombarding, the harassment that some companies give, harassing you to buy things. <laughs> now, it's totally fine when companies have sales. And I mean, I own a company, so I understand the idea of marketing. You have to. But there's a difference between marketing when there's a sale or something unique versus giving you an email every day and telling you that you are going to miss out if you do not buy this thing right now. That is harassment that you do not need, especially if you're weak in those areas. You need to learn how to unfollow, how to disconnect, how to unsubscribe. In the book, she talks about that she's a pastor's wife and that she spent a lot of time listening to women who are unhappy. And the things that they were unhappy about were in certain categories. So she talks here about the different categories that they're in. And they were unhappy with their reputation, their marital status, their finances, or their children. So she's going to go into detail about certain things that people, women, were unhappy about in the church. Their reputation. So desiring other people to think that they are beautiful, that they're intelligent, and that they are successful. How many times have you seen a woman just get engaged and she's so happy and she's like looking at her ring and then she sees someone else with a bigger ring, a nicer ring, <laughs> a nicer wedding. And instead of just being so grateful and thankful that she's met this wonderful man who wants to marry her, she's so caught up on the fact that she hates her ring, right? And it's like, ah, yes, a ring is important. Don't get me wrong. Like you're wearing it every day. You want to love it. But what is more important? What is more important? Another thing she talks about is marital status, the desire to be married, the desire to be married to someone else, the desire to change something about their husbands. Okay, this is huge, obviously. Like a lot of us who are married, maybe in marriages where we are just constantly wishing that it was better, that the other person was better, <laughs> that if the other person changed, that it would be better. Obviously, it's not you, right? It's not you, right? So a lot of us have that desire to be married and we're constantly thinking about that and we cannot be happy we can't enjoy life we can't travel we can't enjoy our money we can't enjoy restaurants by ourselves we can't enjoy anything unless we have a man unless we are in a committed relationship and this is a really serious stronghold some of us aren't happy because of money desiring more money, desiring for your husband to spend more or less on you, desiring your children to have more. And she said that she's never met anyone who wanted less money because duh. <laughs> children, wishing that they had children, wishing that they could change the ones that they have, wishing that they could control their children's decisions or circumstances surrounding their children. And she just says that we naturally long for what we do not have. Certainly, it's fine to improve the quality of life, but the unchangeable factors in our lives ought to teach us that true contentment can only come from God and that we must seek him alone. Then she talks about the idea of longings, having longings in your heart, longings in your soul for certain things. And this is a little bit deeper than just a instant gratification. I want this. I see this. I'm infatuated with this woman and I want to be just like her. So I have to have all the things that she has. This is a little bit deeper. A longing is when you really have a strong desire for something that's been like heavily weighing on your heart. And this is something that 
can happen over a period of time. Maybe it's something like a child. Maybe it's something like having your own home or really wanting to finish school because you stopped because you got pregnant or, you know, something just a little bit more meaningful, long lasting. And sometimes a longing can just be your own personal change. You just wanting to be a better person, a different person, wanting to be stronger in certain areas, wanting to overcome certain things. And longings are a good thing a lot of the times. A lot of times they come from God. It's more than just your own desire. As we study the discipline of contentment, it's important to recognize where these longings begin. Discontent can come from both godly longings and ungodly longing. She went back to talk about that young woman who was a Christian and she moved into the city and she saw that people had all these exciting lives and she started having a longing within her to be free of restrictions because she felt that her life in Christ put a lot of restrictions over her soul and she went through a long period of experimenting with things which created frustration. And when she was searching for rest from her inner struggle, she read 2 Peter 2.20-22, to which says that believers who have received the word of God and then get re-entangled with the world are like a dog going back to their old vomit. And this is something that God says. This is God's word. And I know that's like a really gross analogy, but that is how God talks about when you decide that you want to go back to the things that he has already delivered you from. When he has delivered you from a life of sin, when he has saved you from going to hell, when he is taking you out of the hands of the devil and called you his own and you decide that you want to go back to your old lifestyle of smoking, drinking, stealing, having sex with all these people, lying, whatever it is that you used to do and he saved you from because you are tempted you are just wanting more excitement you're wanting to be like everyone else you're having a hard time just saying no and you willfully do it it's like a dog going back to his own vomit like that is how disgusting it is to god and when you think about that like when i think about that it makes me definitely not want to do it because that is how it feels too like you know once you've been saved it's a lot more difficult for you to sin. It's a lot more difficult for you to return to the sins that were really bringing you down, that were really destroying your life. But a lot of times, because we are back into the world with everyone else, we get tempted to go back to those things. And we have to remember how God sees it and that God can help us. We don't have to do that alone. And in the book, she says that the non-Christian world likes to portray Christians as being trapped in a web of conformity and false morality and unhappiness, leading drab, pleasureless, <laughs> pleasureless lives in the hope that somehow God will be impressed. The truth is that unhappiness is caused by sin, not by following God's ways. And that's deep and it's so true. Sin is really what makes you unhappy. When you stray away from what God wants you to do, your life ends up being destroyed. And it's only a matter of time. It may not be instant, but it's only a matter of time. Following God's truth and his ways is what brings you happiness. Everything else is fake. Like it's it's glitter pretending to be gold. Okay. And then you get that glitter all in your eyes, all in your teeth, all in your hair, all in your ears, and you're frustrated. <laughs> it's not even what you thought it was. 
the non-Christian world enslaves us to sin and it's full of broken lives and unhappiness. The truth is the worst thing that can happen to a Christian who is longing for something outside of God's will would be for God to grant them that desire. This was the experience of the nation of Israel before the exile. But my people would not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. I want you to look back in your life and think about the things that you longed for, the things that you thought you really wanted, and imagine if God would have given it to you, would have given you that job you wanted, the car you wanted, the man that you wanted. Imagine if God would have said, oh, okay, you want it? Go ahead and have it. What would have happened? I know for me, my life would have been ruined because <laughs> there was a situation when I was younger where for me, it was a man that I really wanted, a relationship that I really wanted. And I was in the relationship and it wasn't working. And I had been told, I had been warned by people about this person. I had experienced things with this person that were awful. But for whatever reason in my mind, I had made up my mind that this was my person for now. <laughs> and I just wanted it. I also don't like to lose. I don't like things to end. I don't like things to not work out. So I just didn't want that failure. And I wanted God to just say, Michelle, like, fine, have him, right? But he loves me too much for that. He knew what my life would be like with this person. And I couldn't see things the way that he saw things. But once I surrendered and said, Lord, you know what? I know you love me. I know you love me more than I love myself. I know you see everything that this man is, everything that he's doing, everything that he will do. I know I can trust you with my life. So if you don't want me with this person, fine, I'm going to cut it off. And when the person would try to contact me and still be connected to me and still try to like, you know, just be in my life, I had to just say no and say, you know what? This is not what God wants for me. So I understand. And after I finally said no, God showed me why. And my goodness, am I so thankful to the Lord that he said no. And that's what we have to do. We have to be able to say, Lord, I trust you. Even though I think I know what I want and I really don't see what's wrong with this. Seems pretty good to me. <laughs> In that case, it, it, it wasn't good. It, and I knew it wasn't good. But for some situations, it does seem good. Like you don't see anything wrong with it. Why not? That job pays a lot of money in the perfect neighborhood. That home is like the exact home I've always dreamed about. Why not trust God? He knows. He knows why not. He knows that there's a leak in that house that's going to cost you upward $50,000 to fix. He knows that there's going to be a fire that breaks out and the house will be demolished. He knows. He knows everything. You have to trust him. You have to trust God. That's all he wants is for you to trust him. That's all he wants is for you to trust him, to love him and to say, Lord, okay, lead me. I'll follow you. So when we experience the discontentment in life, we must ask ourselves, some really hard questions. What is the source of my longing? Where is this coming from? Is it coming from pressure? I have heard of so many women who have ended up having children with men because of pressure, because their mom was pressuring them, because their friends all had a baby. 
and they ended up with these men who were awful and they left the man but then they have children with the man and they have to still deal with this man and they hurt in their heart for their children because they chose poorly because of pressure it happens to so many people you have to ask yourself what is the source of this longing and give it to god and regardless of what the longings are just remember that no matter what you get you're always going to long for something else after that you will never be satisfied so even if you get the house that you want now you're going to want it to be furnished now you're going to want to entertain now you're going to want a summer house now you're going to want more bedrooms a bigger house you're going to want to remodel and like you're never going to be fully satisfied unless you choose to unless you choose to it is a choice she writes in the book that a member of her church wrote this i think home must be one of the sweetest words in the english language it suggests belonging care comfort peace and safety several years ago i found myself drawing plans for a little home i saw little houses for sale and i really wished i could see inside of them and maybe buy one but since we already had an adequate comfortable home with which i was content i wondered what should i do with this longing so i went to god with the matter in psalm 38 9 it says all of my longings lie open before you O lord and as it usually happens as i studied my bible each day i began to notice scriptures about home look down from heaven your holy dwelling place and bless your people deuteronomy 26 15. i long to dwell in your tent forever psalm 61 4. he who dwells in the shelter of the most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty psalm 91 1. i will dwell in the house of the lord forever psalm 23 6. from time to time the longings return and i'm reminded that heaven is my true and final home the ultimate fulfillment of that sweetest of all words is home when you have a longing in your heart that's just lingering in there remember where your home is remember that you can always retreat back into your father's arms and bring those longings to him without god everything means nothing anyway everything means nothing you will literally die one day and take nothing with you all your bags your clothes your jewelry your computers your books all of your hair that you buy all the things that you have your cars and your houses and your stocks and your children everything that you have will mean nothing because you're not here anymore you take nothing with you but what you will have is god he's still going to be on the other side and will you know him would you have spent your entire life with all the things with all the desires with all the longings with all of the pouting hm, it's not fair would you have spent your whole life in that state home is with god if you have everything and you don't have god as your home you actually have nothing you have nothing if you have all the money in the world all of the things you want all of the people in your life that you want and then god forbid you get so sick 
that you cannot enjoy anything, who are you going to go to? Who is going to heal you? You can be a multi-billionaire. Who is going to heal you? You need God to be your home. You need God to be your number one because you can have everything. But if you have everything and you don't have God as your home, you have nothing. But when you long for God, that is proper longing. We are created for relationship with him. The psalmist David expressed such longings for God when he said, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O Lord. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Psalm 42.1 There's a song, this is why it's so good to listen to, artists who actually use Bible verses in their work because then you get to learn scriptures without having to forcefully learn it. You learn it because you sing it every day. And he has a beautiful song. In the song, he says, You, Lord, are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. And that song is so beautiful to me. <laughs> but he takes it from the scripture. He longs to worship God. That's a different kind of love where you long to worship God, where you just cannot wait until you have a few minutes to just sing to God and just love on him. That is a proper longing. In a book called spiritual depression, the author poses an important question. Is it easier to be content with little or with a lot? Both are difficult. The Apostle Paul's instruction is vital. I have learned to be content with whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. That is the key. And, um, and it's interesting that he talks about food because even with food, sometimes we are not content. Like you can literally be eating your lunch thinking about what you're going to have for dinner. Or you can eat your dinner and after you're done, you're like, hmm, I think a nice Pepsi would top this off or I need dessert. I need something sweet like your dinner was fine you were full but you just need to have a sweet you just need to have some hot chocolate you just need to have a beer you just need to have some wine like you can't just be content with your dinner even though you're full you have to have something else even the small things we can say no that's enough no i'm full i'm good I, yeah dessert would be nice but i don't need it i'm okay right that's another level. To be content with little is difficult for us, that's for sure, because we fail to trust God to provide what we need. And that's why a lot of times we are so unhappy when we don't have enough. And I know this. I know this. Trust me. I know this. And it sucks sometimes. It really sucks. But we're so focused on the fact that we don't have these things and we're not trusting that God's going to provide the things that we want. I have definitely been in situations where I am longing for things and I'm so caught up on the fact that I don't have it. And it could be something little like a face mask. I'm all out of my face mask and I don't have enough money to buy the face mask that I really want to buy. And now I'm just like, oh, why? It's not fair. I should be able to have enough money to buy a face mask, right? Instead of just putting my trust in God and saying, you know what, Lord, I trust you. You'll provide 
you'll provide. That faith is what accelerates your desires. That faith is what opens up the door for God to say, that's what I'm talking about. I'm your provider. I got you. If it's something that he really wants you to have, because sometimes he's also teaching you things like patience, or sometimes he's just saying, no, that face mask is going to make your face flare up. You wait a little bit. Alpha, <laughs> and then he'll bring you a new one later. But it's not just trivial things like a face mask. Again, it's serious things too. Maybe you really do want to get married. You really do want children and you're longing for those things. But trusting God that he sees your desire and going into the Bible and looking at the people who have had those same desires. There are people in the Bible who didn't have children who wanted them. There are people in the Bible who weren't married, who were divorced, whose husbands died. Those people are there for you to see yourself in and to also see the God that you serve and see what he did because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. When you see what he does with them, you can say, I see this. This is my faith now being built up. I'm getting stirred up in my spirit. I believe this is possible for me too. Why not? Oh gosh, it's getting really dark in here. Let me turn the light on. That is much better. My eyes. Then he talks about wealthy people and how they also struggle with contentment. When we are rich and can arrange and manipulate everything, we tend to forget God. So either way, discontent always provides a temptation to sin by not depending on God. So either way, you're not depending on God. When you're broke and you're poor and you don't have enough, you fail to trust God to bring those things to you. When you're rich and you have it all at your fingertips, you don't need to trust God to bring it to you. So either way, you're not living in that relationship that God wanted with his children, where you depend on the kingdom of God to give you all the things that you need. You depend on yourself. To be content with little is hard. Okay, it is hard. To be content with much, impossible. Apart from the only one who can satisfy us, we human beings are insatiable. We always want more. Solomon said it well, all things are wearisome more than one can say. The eye never has had enough of seeing, nor the ear, it's fill of hearing. The more one has, the more one wants. Nothing satisfies. So whether you are rich or poor, developing the discipline of contentment demands that we submit both our anxiety and our greed to the Lord. And the scripture that comes to mind here is to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. When you are focused on God's plan for your life, on your purpose, on the priorities and the things of God, he will provide the things that you need, the things that you need for your life, the things that you desire for your life. When you delight in the Lord, he will bless you. Okay, he is a keeper of his promises. These are in the word of God, but he wants your focus to be on him and his purposes for you, not just on yourself, not just on your lack. He wants you to look to him and not look to him and then lose faith, but look to him in faith and with expectation. He wants you to come boldly to his throne of grace to receive mercy in your time of need. He wants you to have that expectancy, that childlike expectancy that says, Lord, 
I know that you are a loving, righteous father. And I know that you have my best interest at heart. So whatever you're planning on doing, I'm with it. I'm with it. Help me to be strong enough to push through this season or to not have this desire right now. Just help me. That's all you're really asking for. And it's interesting because we all have variations of the same thing. I was talking to someone who um, was talking about this woman. She went to her house and she lives in this huge mansion and she has like all these expensive things. And this woman doesn't have a whole lot of money. And she was just saying that when she's there, she's just like in shock of all the nice things that this woman has. And she's so wealthy. And I was saying, you know, listen, we all have the same things. We all have variations of the same things. If we're talking about things, we all have the same things. We just have different levels of it. And when you get the next level of it, you want the next level of it. So if you want beautiful china, like you have plates, you have simple plates, but someone else may have $500 plates, but someone else has $5,000 plates. You have a ring that your husband spent $2,000 on. Someone has a ring that their husband spent $20,000 on. Someone has a ring that their husband spent $200,000 on. There's always another level. So we all have the same things, but different variations of it. And once you get the next variation of it, it's just a thing. You don't even care because your mind is on to the next one. I remember being at this really beautiful house and the toilet flushes by itself and it does like all this stuff. I can't even figure out like how to turn it on. Like you literally walk into the room and the seat lifts up and when it's done, it like flushes and it can even like clean you. It's just, it was a lot. But at first I was really freaked out by it. And then after I was like, you know, this is kind of nice. I kind of like this toilet. I think I want a toilet like this in my house. <laughs> But then I quickly told myself, yeah, this is ridiculous. I don't need a toilet like this. Like, this is a toilet, for goodness sake. Who cares? Who cares? And I guarantee you that if I got that toilet after a month or so, I wouldn't care about it. It's just another thing, another thing in the house. When you have your basic needs met, everything else is extra. Yes, there are some people who do not have a toilet. So in that case, then having one is enough. But when we're talking about those of us who have our basic needs met, everything else is extra. And God doesn't owe you anything. God doesn't owe you anything, anything. But you practicing gratitude every single day for the things that you do have, maybe you don't have a child yet, but you could take your nieces and nephews out. You can volunteer with kids. You can donate to the children's hospitals. You can start to do things to show God where your heart posture lies and how desperate you are for this thing and get involved before you even get the thing. Everything that is for you is already there. It's already in the storehouses of heaven. Your books have been written. Like God has everything you need already there. And so all you're doing is pulling it down from heaven. But that does take a posture of gratitude, of faith, of expectation, of trust, <laughs> of hope. Those things are what spiritually pull the things down into your hands. Okay, this chapter is really long. I don't know. Should I read the whole thing? I have a lot more, but I feel like this video has gotten quite long. Okay, we'll talk about the source of contentment. It's a myth that people who are serious about the Bible are serious in general. 
I actually used to believe that before I was in Christ. I used to think Christians were so boring because I never seen one that wasn't. I never seen one that wasn't. So I did not want to be anything like that. Um, but it's not true. It's actually not true. When I actually got in Christ and I saw the people, I'm like, no, like these people are actually. Uh. But it wasn't true. It's not true. Once I got in Christ, I realized that people are people. First of all, everyone's different. And just because they're not sinning purposefully and just because they're not living the lifestyle that I was living at the time doesn't mean that they're boring. But she says the fact is women who love God and love his word find sources of joy and satisfaction that surpass any that the world has to offer. Laughter and gladness are where joy, contentment and gratitude overflow. The knowledge of God is where satisfaction and pleasure are found. James Packer says in his classic Knowing God book that although many people do not see the practicality in a study of God and his attributes, every new discovery regarding God's character, in fact, graces our lives. So then she just goes on to talk about how we as Christians need to get to know God, know his attributes and study his word. Like she talks about all in this book, how important it is for us to know who we serve so that we can be more secure in him and more content in him. I wanna read one last thing and then we will wrap it up. She writes from an anonymous 18th century woman, a beautiful poem, I love this so beautiful let me get a little closer to you i do not know when i have had happier times in my soul than when i have been sitting at work with nothing before me but a candle and a white cloth and hearing no sound but that of my own breath with god in my soul and heaven in my eye i rejoice in being exactly what i am a creature capable of loving God and who, as long as God lives, must be happy. I get up and look a while out the window. I gaze at the stars and the moon, the work of an almighty hand. I think of the grandeur of the universe and then sit down and think myself one of the happiest beings in it. The rare jewel of Christian contentment will be yours when all that God is and all that he has done in Christ Jesus fills your heart. We may lack many things in this world, but as godly women, we must work to develop the discipline of contentment. And I know that I am so, so happy being in Christ. Before, I always say this, like I could even watch my old videos and I could just see the difference in my inner joy. Like there's a light in me now that just shines through. It's the light of Jesus. And that's something that just comes from being in a relationship with him. I'm in a relationship with him, you know, and that changes everything. I have pretty much like the same things in my life as I had before, but I wasn't happy. I was just existing i guess now that i'm in christ now that i have a relationship with jesus i'm actually happy even when things are not going well he always brings me back he always brings me back that's what a relationship is he always brings me back and i'm always like okay 
build me back up, Lord, build me back up. And that's what it is. You're not always going to be happy with everything that's going on in your life. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. And there are a lot of things now that could be going a lot better. But I realized it didn't really matter when I had everything. I didn't have everything. Nothing actually mattered. All that mattered was my relationship with God. That's actually what determined where I was internally. If I actually was joyful, if I actually was happy. It was whether or not I had spoken to God the night before, sang to him, read the Bible, communicated with him. The days where I went the whole day without talking to God, acknowledging God, thinking about God, just shopping online, you know, whatever. Those days I felt the most empty. So what about you? What areas in your life are you discontent with? And have you given those areas to God? Are you grateful for the things that God has brought to you? The things that you used to long for? Like I used to long to be able to spend the night with my boyfriend. We would go out, have a great time. And at the end of the night, I would have to go home and I would just say, Lord, I long for the day. I just dream of the day that I could wake up next to him every single day. And that day came, like he became my husband, but am I grateful for that? Do I ever think about the days that I used to want what I have? Do I ever think about the fact that I'm living in what I desired? And maybe you're not at this moment. Maybe things have actually taken a turn for you. But there are certain things in your life that you have desired, that God has given you. There are. Have you thought about that though? Have you shown your gratitude to God for those things? This is the very thing that prompted me to be a minimalist at some point in my life. I have videos on my minimalism journey. I was just shopping constantly. I was really young and earning a lot of money for my age and just going nuts shopping. And I just had so much stuff I didn't even like, didn't look good on me, didn't fit me. And I wasn't happy. I was buying all this stuff, but it didn't matter. And I thought, I need to put the brakes on this. This has actually now turned into a problem where I am not satisfied with anything. What do I need? So I went towards minimalism and I loved that lifestyle. It was great, but it didn't actually make me happy. That didn't make me happy either, having less. <laughs> What made me happy was when I found God, the lover of my soul, when I found the one who created me and I had a relationship with him. That is what changed everything. So what about you? Let me know in the comments. I pray that the Lord gives you a full heart especially those of you who desire children. I pray that the Lord allows you to conceive and to trust him that he will grant your desires if you trust him. Until next time, thank you so much for spending your time here with me. I hope that this blessed you, allowed you to think about some things. I pray that the Lord just talks to you this week. Continue this conversation with him and I will see you next time.